Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, everyone. It's 2020, the new year, the perfect time to choose what your New Year's resolution is going to be. And for us, it'd be perfect if your New Year's resolution was to subscribe, rate, and review The Alarmist. Now, we've had some great uh, feedback uh, recently. This is one from someone called Princess Clark. And she writes, Alarmist, a must-listen, five stars. The combination of history plus comedy plus anxiety is perfect. Love Rebecca, Amanda, Chris, and all the guests. Get get on there and give us that five-star review and uh, say something nice and tell your friends. Thanks for listening. An Elio's original. I was born with a special gift. The ability to mentally transform any situation into the worst-case scenario in my own brain. My therapist calls my gift catastrophizing. And that's why I'm uniquely qualified to scrutinize and analyze history's greatest disasters and find out who's to blame. They say history repeats itself. Not on my watch. My name is Rebecca Delgado-Smith. And I am The Alarmist. everyone thanks for tuning into the alarmist a comedy podcast where we take history's greatest disasters and tragedies and figure out who's to blame today we'll be discussing the Lindbergh baby kidnapping hi yeah here we go charles Lindbergh jr was 20 months old when he was stolen from his crib in east amwell new jersey 
The son of pilot Charles Lindbergh, who was made famous by completing the first nonstop flight from New York to Paris, and Anne Morrow Lindbergh. His kidnapping grabbed the attention of the world. Everybody's talking about the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby. Who do you think's to blame? The evening of March 1st, 1932, was a wet one. Charles and Anne were in the first floor library of their rural home as Charles Jr. slept soundly in his upstairs nursery. Later in the night, his nurse, Betty Gow, went to check on the child and realized he was missing. She alerted Charles, who went into the baby's room only to find a ransom note asking for $50,000, a chisel, footprints, and a homemade ladder. After two more ransom notes were sent, a retired teacher named John Condon offered to be the mediator between the kidnappers and the Lindberghs. He corresponded with the kidnapper through the newspaper and arranged to meet in person at a cemetery to exchange the $50,000 ransom for the location of Charles Jr. Lindbergh himself, along with investigators, traveled to the given location, but the baby was nowhere to be found. The Lindbergh's greatest fears came true when on May 12, 1932, the decomposed body of Charles Lindbergh Jr. was found. Fractures in the skull, along with the evidence of the broken rung on the homemade ladder found at the crime scene, suggested that the kidnapper had fallen and that the baby had been dead since the night he was kidnapped. Despite the greatest manhunt in history, the baby's murder was not discovered until his little body was found here in the woods near his home two months later. Fun Facts, a.k.a. Death Stats. The details of the case are strange, starting with the scene of the kidnapping. The footprints proved inconclusive, and no fingerprints were found at the scene. The Lindberghs claimed to have heard no commotion from the downstairs library. The ransom note was also highly unusual. It contained many misspellings along with its demands. It reads, Dear sir, have $50,000 ready, $25,000 in $20 bills, $15,000 in $10 bills, and $10,000 in $5 bills. After two to four days, we will inform you where to deliver the money. We warn you for making anything public or for notify the police. The child is in good care. Indication for all letters are signature and three holes. At the bottom of the note were two interconnected blue circles surrounding a red circle, with a hole punched through the red circle and two more holes to the left and right. The remains were discovered by a truck driver in a grove of trees near a road just four and a half miles south of the Lindbergh house. Today, the $5,000 ransom is equivalent to about $1.3 million. In September of 1934, investigators traced some of the ransom money paid to the kidnapper to a German man named Bruno Richard Hauptmann. More circumstantial evidence led to his conviction and ultimate execution. He maintained his innocence until his death by electric chair on April 3, 1936. Many speculate he was wrongly accused. Instead, Theories abound that he may have had many accomplices or that the kidnapping was an inside job. His abduction from his Hopewell home was a challenge to America. This ladder, the only clue to the kidnapping, was homemade. 
and much is made of the fact that Hauptmann is a carpenter and could easily have built one similar to this. Let the developments in the Lindbergh baby case start a new drive to wipe out the stain, not only of that wanton kidnapping and murder, but of all kidnapping and crime. Let the justice dealt for this baby's abduction serve notice, America demands death for all kidnappers and murderers. Do you think your husband is guilty of kidnapping the Lindbergh baby? I'm absolutely sure my husband has nothing to do with the Lindbergh kidnapping case. Well, today we have a very special guest with us, a returning guest, actually. You might remember her from the uh, Great Molasses Flood of Boston episode, Maggie Marion. Oh, my gosh. It's me again. (laughs) It really is. And just so our listeners know, we also have with us producer Maria. Hey, guys. And (laughs) fact checker. What are you going to say about me? And fact checker, Chris Smith. What's up, guys? Nice teeth. There, I, you can't tell, but I have nice teeth and nice hair. I'm having a good hair day. Yeah. I didn't shower today. That'll do it. Mm, that'll do it. Maggie, tell us what you know about the Lindbergh baby kidnapping. Well, I kind of, I mean, I know a, a decent amount because one fateful brunch, my husband Adam and I, we just started talking about it. I, I think maybe I had... I don't know. I'd come across a reference to the Lindbergh baby, mm-hmm. the crime of the century. Oh, you know what it was? Uh-huh. Is I was listening to Ragtime, the musical. <laughs> and it starts off with the crime of this calling the um, Evelyn Nesbitt murder, the, not the murder in, involving Evelyn Nesbitt's lover um, as the crime of the century. But it was the beginning of the century. And so we, I was looking up other crimes of the century. And this is one of them, this is along with the OJ case. And so we started, we didn't know about it. And so we started reading all about it. And we just spent the whole day kind of immersed in it because there's so many fascinating details. So many twists and turns. But so my, my knowledge consists of one day a few years yeah. ago of re- of reading about it. <laughs> you did a brunch of It's research. probably more than a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I was realizing that no one taught me this in school. No well, one talked not- about the Lindbergh baby in no. school. We should have. It's a huge trial. Yeah. Well, so. it's we've got a Nazi sympathizer kind of exactly. in the center. So. so so you you think that they didn't want to bring it up because of the Nazi ties. Yeah. Really quickly, though, Rebecca, just before you get into like the kidnapping part of it, who uh-huh. were the Lindberghs? Like, what? Good question. Like, Great question. And why would this baby be kidnapped? So Lindbergh himself, in 1925, goes uh, across the Atlantic on a plane by himself from New first York guy. to Paris. And he's the first one to ever do this. It's Solo a 33-hour trip. trip. He does it by himself. I believe seven people have attempted to do this before him. Three of them die trying to do it. And there's apparently this prize even. There's a... 25 grand. Yeah, to to actually finish the trip. Mm -hmm. And he does it. So he becomes... rich and famous. He's like this hero in America. And like I was... Well, then he married an heiress. Well, that that's what happens afterward in, in yeah. 1927 is he's become rich and he gets paid like something like 2500 uh, a, a week to go make these speeches mm. um, at these universities. And also he he wrote a an autobiography at the age of I think it was 25 when he he crosses. Maybe Chris can double check that. But 
at a, a very young age. <laughs> a mere whippersnapper. He's like already doing an autobiography of right. himself. He's like, oh, okay. Um, anyway, he is so famous. He's like above Beyonce. He is, he is, <laughs> he is so famous yeah. at the time. Right. He was for, 25 when he crossed the Atlantic. He was 25. So Good um, looking. 20 doesn't hurt no he was very <laughs> he was also having tall, a good air day yeah and uh <laughs> he meets this woman Anne, and she's the daughter of a jp morgan uh it's his financial advisor essentially Murrow, the Murrows. yes and she's very rich and in the autobiography it he says that the ideal relationship is with um a a, a woman who is smart and has good genes. It's a bit of like telling, you know, even in his in his statement about what his ideal wife, it's like he is a well-known uh, eugenicist. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Uh, someone. I don't who, know if that's what you call a singular eugenist. person, but he was into eugenics. eugenics. He was into eugenics. He was a eugenist. Um, he, <laughs> <laughs> he was into eugenics. He was a shithead. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you who don't know what eugenics is maggie maybe you can tell them eugenics I, is you'll just be better a, at that the theory that you can breed a, a perfect human yeah and that you can just that breeding humans to achieve hum, human perfection exactly is is the right way to go yes um and you know that that's what the nazis were into exactly among other people it was a popular it thing at the time. Yes, it, there, there was a kind of human. It, this was like human potential movement of like the seventies and eighties. This was sort of like human potential movement, like one So Charles Lindbergh, just to sort of summarize back to what Maria was asking, is this hugely successful and powerful and now rich guy, super famous. Everyone knows him, probably on you know page six or whatever the whatever the page equivalent six. I of. mean, he is all over. Back it. then, there was only four pages, <laughs> and he was on every one. <laughs> so the kidnapping happens, and there there are this there's this ransom note, and they're told to wait, have this money ready mm-hmm. in the ransom note. We're going to contact you. Mm-hmm. What happens is that they use the newspaper to try and communicate right with. The kidnappers. These kidnappers. And uh, John Condon is a 71-year-old semi-retired Bronx school teacher who writes into a local Bronx paper and offers to act, act as this interme- intermediary for the Lindberghs and the kidnappers. So he even this guy even offers like $1,000 of his own money to add to the, you know, pot. pot. And... Um, According to the New York press, Condon was known as a blustery neighborhood character that no one took seriously, except for some reason, the Lindberghs and the kidnappers. So the kidnappers are like, yeah, that guy's good enough. It's and so strange. It's, so it's weird. very weird. It's so weird. And so weird. they decide to meet at this uh, cemetery, and right. that's why it's called Cemetery John. So he goes to the cemetery. He gets told where to, uh, through another Condon. letter. Condon gets sent a letter from the kidnappers. Mm-hmm. So the way they would communicate is Condon or the Lindberghs would put something up on the newspaper, and then the ki- they would receive a-, a letter from the kidnappers. Finally, Condon uh, gets told to meet cemetery john uh this guy who was uh according to john condon german or had a a german accent and wore a fedora hat 
Ooh, what a cool guy. Slick guy. I kept reading that and I was like, is that of the time or was that a choice? Like particularly yeah. unique. Um, You'll know him by his fedora hat. <laughs> anyway, they he he's like, okay, um, bring me the ransom money. And Condon gives him the ransom money and uh, FBI or someone in the FBI. The head of the this- FBI at the time was Hoover. Hoover, that's right. Hubert. So Hoover. they get this great idea. It wasn't Hoover who had this idea, but someone uh, involved in the case has this great idea that they should um, do uh, gold certificates. Right. They should pay it in gold certificates because in 1935, a year later, they're going to do away with these gold certificates. So Trace it would the be bills. exactly, and, and it would be very odd for anyone right. to be using gold certificates they thought that doing that then then it would be easily traceable but they thought that the kidnapper kidnappers would go for that well Well, they they did did. they did and that's what was genius about that so they this money gets given to the kidnappers and of course sadly they receive the information of where the child is supposed to be it's supposedly on a boat in martha's vineyard of course the child is not there um and eventually uh we find the the child's body um a few months later and we all know what happens there um but what happens with these gold certificates the kidnapper or we're assuming who whoever they are Bruno they, they, Richard they keep getting used and all of a sudden uh the banks start having a trail of this kidnapper's money or where it's being used. And that's how they find Bruno. So in September 19, 1934, Bruno is arrested and a $20 gold uh, certificate from the ransom payment was found in his person. And the reason that he's arrested is because he used another gold certificate, I believe at a gas station and the gas attendant thought he was a little sketchy and perhaps that might have been a, a, a fake gold certificate. And so he writes the license plate on the gold certificate. And that's how he gets found. The case against Hampton mounts quickly. And the day after his arrest, more than 13,000 in gold ransom certificates are discovered in Hampton's garage. I'm sorry, I keep saying Hampton, Hop- but it's Hauptmann's. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, German guy, it's a German guy, which is interesting because the the letter mm-hmm. it has some misspellings that consistent are with consistent with uh, German like speaking. German. So, for instance, the child is in gut gut care, G U T. So a lot of people were like, oh, it must be a, a German immigrant. I, first of all, I think we need to put Bruno up on okay. the board. Okay. I Let's feel like that's what's that, his last name again? Humpton? Humper. It's H-A-U-P-T-M-A-N-N. He is later identified by Condon, the the guy, as the John, as the John that he meets in the cemetery. Right. And handwriting analysis found that Hauptmann's penmanship was uh, stylistically consistent with the ransom notes that were sent by the kidnapper. So this guy, though, he has a prior criminal record. Yeah, um, not a good guy. He's not a great guy. No, it included burglary. It was um, it back in Germany. 
Um, he held a pregnant lady or a, a lady with a child up in, yes. at gunpoint in broad daylight. Yeah. Not he, a good guy. Not a good guy. He's got a history. And so it was a, a bit of an obvious um, choice. And there was some evidence that, that this ladder, there was this special ladder or yes. this unique ladder that... Homemade ladder. ...was found... That was found that can was made of wood that was in his attic as well. Right. So he so was a carpenter. Seems, yeah. They were able to like trace uh, the wood that seems was like used for the. Yeah, he he definitely seemed involved. Now, whether he was the only person. agree That is. That seems off. And also, I I mean, he he says he claimed that it was his friend Isidore Fish. Who um, sounds like a name from Harry Potter? <laughs> Isidore Fish does. It's it's a so it's a, Isidore Fish. He is a German <laughs> friend of Bruno's. Okay, uh, Isidore Fish. He uh, goes back to Germany and he's very ill and he dies. There's a ton of circumstantial evidence that gets thrown um, at Bruno. None of it, is, the, the, the biggest um, forensic, if, if you could call it even that, it's not even, um, is the wood. Is the wood. Exactly. So that uh, supposedly it gets tracked to um, wood he purchased himself. Or I, think, or, or I think it was part of his home. There was a part of it that was his home. Oh. And also his, he, they found Condon's, Number. Number, phone number in his closet. However. In his closet. Did you read this? No. That a. <laughs> I, I, I can already tell him no. <laughs> that a reporter. Yes. Admitted to writing it there. No. Instead later. Yes. And in fact, it was a newspaper that um, a newspaper back financially backed his defense in exchange for getting an exclusive interview with him. Oh, and the wife. The he, they paid the wife. And after the this Hearst. case, Hearst. Uh, Hearst. Of course. And after this case there was a law that says that, that said that a newspaper couldn't get involved in financially in in a in Fascinating. Criminal cases. The 1920s and 30s were an incredible It was a time. shit show. It was, it was just like, see insane. what you can get away with. Okay, so it's interesting you say that because that's circumstantial evidence, what you said about the reporter. Yeah. Right. And, and of course, it's like anyone can write a phone number sure. on, 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 in a closet, just get there before the police do sure. to take a picture. And or be a police there. Be a, be a crooked policeman. It's right. very sketchy. Yeah. Anyway, the the hardest evidence is this piece of wood that matches perfectly. Literally. Yeah. Knock on wood. <laughs> I'm just going to say this, that if you didn't get away with a murder before DNA testing. You're dumb. You're an, yeah. you're an <laughs> idiot. You're dumb, dumb. <laughs> like, it doesn't make sense yeah. to me. You, They had nothing yeah. to go on. Exactly. <laughs> I don't point. like the cut of his jib. <laughs> He tried to explain that he had given the money. He was given the money by this deceased guy, Isidore Fish, and he had been hoarding the gold certificates based on his uh, experience living in Germany after World War One. This is according to History.com. I'm afraid of inflation, he told police. This was his 
but fair well, he was also Defense. like yeah. yeah i know what inflation was in germany and I, and I wasn't taking any chances neighbors had noticed that hauptman had suddenly stopped working in 1932 and he told them that he was making money on wall street although few were doing that because it's the great depression this guy we have all the circumstantial and we have some of the hard evidence in the terms of the yeah. wood i mean like can we move on from bruno and i like, think you're right yeah. I, I think i want to put isadore fish too because he's not without uh, he, like he could have definitely been an accomplice. So Isidore, a little backstory on him. Okay. Okay. According to Wikipedia, Fish was a well-known in the German-American community of the Bronx as a strange character. Mm. He had approached many of the community <laughs> to invest in a variety of business schemes, most of which, of which were bogus. He was also involved in some small fencing operations, which including the purchasing of hot, quote-unquote, hot money cheaply, to store and reuse later. These sound like Martin Scorsese characters. Yeah. Fish and Hopman met in 1932, became friends, and agreed to pull the risks and profits of Fish's trade in furs. So he was also a, a fur trader. And Hauptman's, uh stock investment. Uh, Fish applied for a passport in on the uh, May 12th, 1932, the same day that the Lindbergh baby was found dead. Oh, sure. sure. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that is fishy. fishy. Fishy, it is fishy. That's where that saying comes from, actually. Yeah. <laughs> you have those friends who who are always pitching you ideas, like, what if we did this? Or like, you know, especially with the prevalence of Shark Tank and all that. Mm-hmm. Like, these guys would be at Shark Tank yeah. probably every year with a new idea, Fish and, uh, and Hopman. So it makes you wonder if the idea to... Kidnapped the Lindbergh baby was a was a brainchild of their both combined efforts. Well, it, it, it's possible. Regardless, they weren't very good at what they did um, because Fish yes. then <laughs> returns to Germany a- in March of 1934, and he dies of tuberculosis. I'm sorry, he he returned before March of 30, uh, 1934. On on that day, in that month, he dies of tuberculosis, and he dies a pauper. Because he only took back $600 with him when he went back to Germany. And so that was part of the argument saying he couldn't have done it because if he had done it, then he would have had more money and Mm. he wouldn't have died in such dire circumstances. He would have been able to afford the medical care that he needed Mm. back in Germany. Okay. But, I mean, he's a bad businessman. Who knows what he got into between, you know, between... New York or New Jersey and, and Frankfurt or wherever he was. Right. And he could have thought, you know, I got the $600. I'm probably going to turn it into $1,200 right. and, and kick this TV. <laughs> right. But Germany. why would you leave, uh, I don't know, the other... All that money you know, behind? In a shoebox, supposedly, in uh, Hauptmann's... Uh, how attic well when that thing when the well when the story blew up they probably didn't want to be caring too much when right. it's like that scene in goodfellas when that is true. de niro yells at everybody for buying stuff after their big yeah. lufthansa heist <laughs> remember <laughs> that and then and then uh Hauptman then once uh isadore is gone that's when he starts spending so so it's sketch super super sketch also how did they know that what window to go in? How did they know that they were going to be there? The Lindberghs didn't even stay at that house. No, they were in very often. Most of the week they they spent in New York City. In New York City, and they were actually supposed to be in New York City. Right. So how did they know? It, it, some people think it could have been an insider job. Something. It definitely wasn't just like this one dumb dumb Hauptman 
he's she, the no. baby's in good care. It's definitely no, not I'm him. I'm with you. That's what I'm trying well, to tell okay, you. Guys. So let's put some other people on the board yeah. because I want to put the dad. Uh oh, Charles Lindbergh. Charles Lindbergh Chucky. himself. Chucky's Chucky. going up there, huh? Yeah. Um. So he's a hero, but he's Asterisk. not as squeaky clean as we think he is. Obviously. So he becomes a, a national villain much a- after the case because of of his, uh, you know, Nazi sympathizing ways. A, a summary of a theory from a Rutgers historian, okay. um, definitely on the conspiracy theory end. Uh, Lloyd C. Gardner, professor of history, emeritus, emeritus, yeah. emeritus. Uh, points to Lindbergh's fascination with social Darwinism and evidence Eugenics. that health problems plaguing his 20-month-old son, Charles Ricketts. Lindbergh Jr., suggested the child was far from perfect. Lindbergh adhered to the growing Scandinavian-German notion of the 1930s about the racial superiority of Northern Europeans compared to Southern Europeans and Asians. And what we know about Lindbergh's character, Gardner says, is that his desire to spread his healthy genes and his belief in the eugenics movement, which uh, goes hand-in-hand with the pro-German feelings about the war, uh, he also had secret affairs starting in 1957 with three women in Germany, two of them sisters, which led to seven children besides the six that he already had with his wife. Are reminiscent of an experiment. So this is Gar- this guy Gardner saying that yeah. he thought he was experimenting um, with making a perfect baby. Yes, right. And uh, the child apparently appeared to have been afflicted with rickets. This is, this is Charles. This is what uh, Charles Jr. At which is uh, affect affects the development of strong bones. It's a vitamin disorder. He required mega doses of vitamin D. Very good, Maggie. <laughs> he was, in, he was and, imperfect. And daily exposure to a sun lamp <laughs> kept Chris. From the dark night. It's from the dark night, yeah. It's from the Joker. Um, he also had, oh, this is really weird, but he also had hammer toes on his left foot. It's just like a jammed toe. A hammer toe occurs from a muscle, this according to WebMD. Hammer toe occurs from a muscle and ligament imbalance around the toe joint, which causes the middle toe, the, the middle joint of the toe to buckle and become stuck in this position. The most common complaint oh, of hammer toes is rubbing and inner irritation on the top of the bent toe. Well, irritated Charles Sr. <laughs> That's let's get some, damn sure. Let's get some pictures of hammer toe uh, R- Rebecca, I think, I, I don't know what else you have to say on Charles Lindbergh, okay. but, but the web crawlers girls have... A lot to say okay. on Charles Lindbergh. So everyone, we have this new segment that we're testing out where uh, when we do a tragedy or a historical event that um, has been plagued with conspiracy theories, we go to our uh, fellow conspiracy theories experts, the Web Crawler Girls. Hello, I'm Ali Siegel. And I'm Melissa Stetton. From the Web Crawlers podcast Hello. on Erios. Hi. We are, we are your resident conspiracy theorists. We are the conspiracy um, pros. Experts. 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 Uh, Melissa, you have some ideas about what happened with the Lindbergh baby. Okay. I. This is a whole thing. Okay. So first of all, this is not a kidnapping. This is a straight up murder. Shit. Continue. So we need to look for a murderer. Okay. And I don't think we need to look far at all because Where'd- I'm talking about patient zero, Charles Lindbergh himself. Oh, you think this is like a JonBenet Ramsey kind of thing? Yes, in a way. So, first of all, this Charles Lindbergh guy, every 
biography of him treats him as if he were like this like international hero. What was was he like an aviation person? He was flew he... across the Atlantic okay. in thirty three hours. Who among us has not? <laughs> he was the first to do it, and he okay. was he won like twenty five thousand dollars. And Boyer, his arms tired. And Boyer, his arms tired. And so he was also awarded the Medal of Honor, okay. which was like the highest. Blah 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 blah. But he was just this basic bitch pilot. Right. He wasn't anything special. Yeah, who cares? He was like a mechanic. And, you know, if it wasn't him to fly across the ocean, it'd be some other it'd be basic someone else. bitch pilot. Yeah. So he just, he just, there's nothing special about him. He just beat the competition. Right. And so I saw, I, I read a quote from his friend's wife. She said, he's no more than a mechanic. If it hadn't been for this flight across the Atlantic, he would be running a gas station in St. Louis. Ooh. Yeah, burn. So he's, I don't think he's a very smart guy. He even took his pregnant wife on a plane with an open cockpit at super high altitude, which you're not supposed to do with pregnant women. And so she had to be hospitalized for four days. When was they got that? Back. What, wait, 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 wait. Was that when she was pregnant with yes. the Lindbergh baby? Yes. Okay, okay, okay. And because of this, their baby was born with an unusual, a large head and it had rickets. Oh. And okay. developmental issues are rumored. Yes. So okay. this goes into, so Charles... Lindbergh, he also liked to play pranks on his wife by hiding the baby in closets. And who does that, that to a newborn baby? He's an idiot. Also, I hate pranks. Yes. I had a boyfriend <laughs> once who played pranks on me, and I was like, this isn't fun for anyone but you. Who's pranking a new mom by no hiding a newborn baby? Yeah, the first prank was I'm going to take you up in an airplane while you're pregnant so our baby comes out. It was like a two-week trip. Up. That they, he, she was like up, up in the air in this high altitude for two weeks, not two weeks straight, because I think they had to like you know refuel yeah. the plane. But she was up there for two weeks. Okay, and so on the night when his baby went missing, he found a ransom note, but he didn't open the ransom note until the police got to the house. Suspicious. Who is not like your baby's missing? You see a ransom note, you're not just going to tear it up. And be like, what the fuck does you this open say? that immediately? They're like, wait till the police gets here, and it's like, uh, no. But then the thing that really I, I just thought was crazy is that when they found the baby's remains it couldn't be easily identified because it had been a while right but charles was like yeah that's probably him let's cremate him immediately not even consulting with his wife like oh should we have a funeral oh whatever he's like no that's him just cremate him this poor wife yeah so i think he was destroying evidence yes clearly and so i think charles killed him because I think the baby had developmental issues. And maybe he felt guilty, guilty. for it or frustrated he for it. He was ashamed of it. Yes. Also, a weird thing that I realized is that the photos that they had in the press of the baby were all of the baby when it was younger than one. And the baby was 20 months, 21 months old when it was kidnapped. There's also some interesting stuff on Reddit if you look up the Lindbergh baby. Some say that the Lindbergh baby was actually never murdered, that it's a cover-up, and that the Lindbergh baby actually was sent to an asylum, um, some sort of like mental asylum Mm -hmm. or something to be raised there. But there was such a huge stigma at the time for sending your child away that they staged this kidnapping (gasps) murder instead. Mm -hmm. There's also something weird that I've just discovered, which I don't fully understand, that the Lindbergh baby is part of the Mandela effect. If you don't know about the Mandela effect, which you probably do, it's that the cultural consciousness 
remembers things differently than how they actually are. Mm-hmm. So, for example, there's the Bernstein versus Bernstein bears That's controversy that the Bernstein bears, which is how most people remember it, it's actually the Bernstein bears. Insane. Yeah. I it, still think it's... It's spelled S-T-A-I-N, yes. not Steen. Yep. Um, so people say that the Lindbergh baby is part of the Mandela effect because it's been featured in shows like The Simpsons and Family Guy with the Lindbergh baby still being alive. Okay, that makes sense to me because when I was reading about this, I was like, oh, yeah, it died. Yeah. Like, I, I remember it just being mi- like it got kidnapped. Right. So every, I guess the cultural consciousness is that we remember the Lindbergh baby being kidnapped and then found. Yeah. Or like missing or like, yes, people come forward and they're like, I'm, I'm the Lindbergh, Lindbergh baby. baby. Yeah. Right. That's what us web crawlers have to say about the Lindbergh baby. If you want to listen to our podcast, you can tune into web crawlers on Erios, iTunes, Spotify. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juvederm.com. Well, they, I, they bring up some interesting points. I mean, I don't think that the Lindbergh baby is alive, but. No, I think that it was a horrible no, I, child. I, I think murdered. it's definitely dead. Um, but the, the fact that they, that Lindbergh cremated the child right away as if to 
um, do away with any evidence. And the Melissa was talking about um, him playing pranks. That to me is that was yeah. That to sketch. me is 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 very indicative of his character. Yes, <laughs> as a bad boy <laughs> bad boy not in a good way in a nasty he's a nasty person nasty yeah. boy. he's a nasty boy and that's indicates something broken about him right and the he had the this the eugenics thing and the affairs he had with other women to try to like father a superhuman baby and and then on top of that he tried to cover the the grossest part to me about it is like if you're gonna be a bad boy then be a bad boy right, <laughs> right. but don't pretend to not be a bad boy he's going up on the board oh he's yeah up he's on the up board. on the board i don't i don't know if it was if he orchestrated it often i i I tend to go with Occam's razor. Simplest is the probably the most accurate. I don't know about the huge conspiracy, if there was a huge conspiracy, but we know that people were really dumb. And like there were footprints and he that got trampled over of by course. police. They didn't measure them. And like who knows about the evidence got kind of destroyed in the in yeah. the process between well, when the baby was found missing to you know apparently they allowed the reporters who showed up right. to just and, and and the people from the town to just come inside right w- w- before they even took the evidence could the police did or the Lindberghs did the, uh, the Lindberghs uh, no he t- I thought he took control oh of the- you're right I you're think it right. was them because was- he wanted because it added to his fame I mean he knew that his fame was diminishing it was the it was well he went on to live a, he, he did kind of live out, out of the spotlight after this so, so you're saying like he didn't actually want? I the wonder. Spotlight. I yeah. don't know. I don't know. Well, I'm not coming down decisively either way. But he was a shitty person. He Clearly definitely a was a really shitty person. Okay, next person I want to put up on the board because uh, we have a lot to get through is John Condon, the yeah, guy. What that guy's that weird is too. so sketch. What a weird dude. The um, intermediary. So my my whole question is like, why would the kidnappers choose only to communicate through Condon? Right? It Did seems he just get a cut. Well, exactly. Right. It seems very unusual that they would just trust a person who wrote into a local newspaper. Right. And uh, there's a, a professor of Rutgers, Gardner, the same guy. He believes that Condon had been contacted beforehand and told to write mm-hmm. into the newspaper. And not just that, but it's the Depression. It's 1932. Who... Uh, what kind of retired school teacher has a thousand dollars lying around that they can just add? Great point. To do we know what he taught? Uh, he taught in a university. I don't know what he taught. Chris, geography, <laughs> alchemy. Uh, the easily distracted fact checker will check <laughs> so, John Condon. Condon, I don't like his style. I don't no. like him like getting involved. He seems like a fame. Totally. Seeker. Could he have been involved? I mean, it could have been. It could. You could convince me of that. And actually, he was. He, he did become suspect after. Uh, he did. for after a while. Mm. He did become suspect, and and on top of that, he was the only person who could identify Bruno. The only other thing is that a few the other graves. people um, did uh, wh- who got the uh, gold certificates did testify that they it was Bruno that. Okay. they had seen or some said it was Bruno, a german man to me of, bruno seems involved um now i want to talk about violet sharp violet sharp uh it works in the house uh, of the limbergs as a waitress i believe and uh she's under investigation by authorities um and she gets questioned uh multiple times and 
Uh, before the fourth time she gets questioned, she commits suicide by swallowing poison. Poison, uh, at, but uh, I believe it was a, a, a silver polish that contained cyanide. Yeah. Um, and she swallows Brutal. it. Terrible. Um, and she had been uh, carefully checked, and it was soon. Uh, ascertained that she had no connection to the abduction so either she later on they were like you know her alibi it pans out and also uh we think that it was just the the stress of feeling like she was going to lose her job and uh it was the depression and the question you know being questioned uh by the police that drew her to um uh, commit Killing suicide. Herself? Yeah, by but drinking or, poison, or or was she, she involved? Right. I'll put her on the board. <laughs> the other, I mean, the other thing is like what was pro- was probably extremely stressful because even though if she did have a clear conscience, if she was innocent, there was so much speculation right. that she probably. I mean, she could have been under that kind of stress and pressure. That like, well, what if they turn to me? Like, what the heck do like? What am I gonna do? What am I gonna do? You know. I mean, it's a who cleared good question. her? How did she get cleared after she was dead? The it the just, police, the police, who we trust, not <laughs> not implicitly. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, t- is it plausible that Violet Sharp was the one who told where the baby would be? Ooh, oh, she tipped him off. Tipped no, him well, off. well, the the baby was found by truck drivers. I mean, where the, the the baby that they were staying at this house as opposed to in the city, oh, where the, which room it was in. Because I see. The baby was taken from a second, it is possible. From the second story. Yeah, I mean, it is possible. Bunch of bedrooms. And they weren't even supposed to be in that house. They right. were supposed to be in the city that night. Oh, right. that makes sense. So she could have been just a go-between to be like, give me a little just something, something, yeah. and just I'll tell you where the baby is. Don't hurt the baby, right. maybe. Yeah. Sure. We'll never know. We'll never know. But we're died. putting her up on the board. Yeah. That's for sure. There are a few other things I, I want to talk about. Let's talk about it. The public spectacle. Uh-huh. Could that be to blame? Public spectacle, I mean, can we be more specific there and say the press? We can. Can I we hate, say the I, yellow I don't press? Like, I don't, what do you mean about the yellow press? Yellow journalism, sensationalism. Oh, sensationalism. Um, yes, I always... I'm always hesitant about um, blaming the media. So one thing I know about (laughs) Rebecca, she will not blame the media. But uh, I do think that for this, um, they they really screwed up a lot um, for the case. Number one, they literally ruined evidence. Right. Number two, they were manipulative in the in the sense of the Hearst yeah. company yeah. you know paying for the defense mm-hmm. lawyer number 3 they really made it difficult to focus on the right leads mm. so you know there were literally thousands of leads that came mm. in and and look that it, any high profile case mm-hmm. that's going to happen there are going to be a lot of Sure. People who call in. But this was... Also putting Lindbergh in the spotlight in the beginning, making him a target. What do you mean making him a target? Well, just that he... Because he was a tabloid darling. Right. That he... It made him more vulnerable to 
Oh, you mean beforehand. Before the baby was yes. kidnapped, yeah. And also after in the sense that he was never even considered uh, right. a, a potential, right. um, uh, what do you call it, suspect. Because right. he he's such a darling. Mm-hmm. And it, it, he's, uh, how, how, how could that, a celebrity of Not that Not a handsome status, white man. No. Be a well, criminal? We talked about this with the preppy so. murder. I mean, this is yeah. like this happens what a cover. all the time. Yeah. Like, imagine someone seeing like Clooney killed a baby. I wouldn't believe it. I'd say, I I'd say, get it. out of my damn house, you fool. <laughs> I was listening to a, a podcast where they were saying like, there's no way we can comprehend how huge right. Lindbergh was because there's yeah. no one that compares, right? Because there was only one, everyone was reading the one paper, right? And also <laughs> like, the, think of like aviation and like a yeah. plane. Yeah. It's like it's like God. It, yeah. it, it, it's magic. So the media's up there and I feel good about it. Okay. Um, I also want to put up the Great Depression slash gangster culture. Tell me more. <laughs> okay. So the era that, you know, the 1930s saw 300 kidnappings a year. And I kidnappings were people. becoming more common mm. leading up to the kidnapping of the Lindbergh baby. And some say that it, it was a systemic, some saw it as a systemic problem of 1932. Mm. Now, a book, uh, Trials of the Century, Mark, Phillip, Mark J. Phillips, Aaron Z. Phillips, uh, says, the stock market crash and following depression had made violence and means of economic survival sure. and had ushered in a wave of gangs, bootleggers, and professional criminals. Kidnapping yeah. for ransom was an effective method of criminals sure. to profit from wealthy Americans like the Lindberghs. Mm-hmm. It had become a remarkably organized business. I just think that this was... A desperate time. Yeah, and it, and, and it was more common than we might think. Right. It, it, and let's face it, this is really... This is happening in some countries. Absolutely. Like, it happens in Venezuela. It happens yeah. in Mexico all the time. And it happens in, you know, it, it's common practice. Right. This is how the literally... However, yes. ki- that's kidnapping, not murder. This baby was murder. I think there's a point in in saying that it's potentially was a murder by mistake. Yes. Because again, the ladder was broken. Right. Right? Baby could have fallen or something. The baby could have fallen. It, it was a very narrow window. Yeah. Imagine carrying a baby off like from the second story in on a homemade ladder. Right. It's so, not even like a sturdy thing. So what you're saying is we might want to put bad craftsmanship up on the board, huh? 100% I want to put that up. Okay, I'll just put ladders. Ladders. <laughs> <laughs> you know when you think about it though, is any kid does any kidnapper get away with it unless they like if you return the baby or the kidnapped person, there's no way of getting away with it in, in America. So my next thing that I was thinking about putting up on the board are the US laws against kidnapping at the time. Right. What were they? Laws against kidnapping were highly inconsistent in the US. In New Jersey, for example, it was punishable by 30 years. But in New York, a convicted kidnapper only faced 5 to 15 years. The ease and availability of transportation made it common practice for kidnappers to jump state lines. Yet the crimes still uh, th- yet the crime was still not a federal offense and the state police could not arrest a sub- suspected kidnapper in, in the state, state in which the crime was committed. So that just made it uh, easily accessible. Okay. It or just made kidnapping a, a little I- bit easier. Easy. Right. More it's of a like viable option. Viable option if you're for in- desperate people. Right. Viable option for desperate people. Um, so why don't we start uh, 
really taking a look at what we have up on the board and crossing things off. Now, uh, for our listeners, this is what's up on the board. Maria, will you uh, Me? hit us? Hit us. Bruno Hauptman, <laughs> Isidore Fish, Charles Lindbergh, John Condon, Violet Sharp, The Media, Gangster Culture, Ladders, or Bad Craftsmanship, <laughs> Kidnapping Laws of the Time. <laughs> okay. Now, is there anything off the bat that we think we can take off? I s- Hauptman. Whoa. Hauptman? <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> I think gangster Hauptman. culture can go because to me, gangster culture is less about, it, like, it didn't seem like this was a retaliation. Right. Gangster culture is like, we're going to do crime and then we're going to get rid of anybody who gets in the way of our crime. Yes. And this feels different than that. Okay. So gangster culture is, I, I do, I, I, yes. I, I agree with that. Okay, so that's off. The, I think we can take the media off. I, I do think media well sets the scene and sets the tone for uh, what people think that they can get away with and was used as a tool the whole time. And in all fairness, he was so famous because of the media. That's what I was going to say, is that like the only reason that this guy, his son was a target, was that people knew about him, people right. knew he had money because of this stupid trip and like um melissa was sta- was saying in that conspiracy theory yes. segment um he was, he a, was basic, a mechanic he was a, he's dude, a basic, like, he was bitch, basic bitch pilot so, he was a basic bitch pilot like somebody else was gonna do it if it if wasn't it was charles Lindbergh. so like what is his ex- why is he exceptional he's she not burns. he's only exceptional because the media said he was exceptional and so i don't know there's i, I i'd like to that to stay in at least yeah, longer than i, I kind of agree you know what's also crazy, though, too, is that everything was going on through these newspapers when it could have been done privately. Yes. <sighs> was the media helping or were they actually making it worse by the, all the sensationalism that that, you know, like, I but partners. I ultimately I think that goes back to Charles Lindbergh, who I am very uh, I think is a good candidate for for alarmist jail. He was the one who took control of the investigation. He basically kicked out the police. So they used the media because they could have gone through the cops, but he didn't want to go through the cops. Yeah. Right. Um, he could have turned it over to the FBI, but he didn't want to do that. He wanted to do it himself or, you know, be in, be involved in this, like, super way. And either it's be kept for nefarious reasons or for ego. It's for his own ego. So, I mean, I think that the media was just kind of a very, uh, you know. Useful tool for him. Eager, eager participant. Yeah. But is on, on, was only able to do what they were able to do because of what he allowed. I wish we knew more about Violet Sharp. Because I, to I think me, I know everything about her. <laughs> I, let, I really do think that no one's killing themselves because they're being questioned. Someone's killing themselves because they did something that they oh, fully boy. regret and they didn't know it was going to go down the way it went down. Yeah, and wow. if the kidnappers didn't the have the information that she would have provided, yes. which oh, was boy. that insider info, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. Make I have some room in that alarmist job. I have might a get feeling. A, few, a couple new inmates. <laughs> no, I'm not saying she's responsible for yeah. it, but I am saying there is that I am suspecting that she was told, we will give you money 
if you tell us where the baby is, the baby will be unharmed. Yeah. And it will be returned once we get the ransom and you'll get a cut of that. I secretly. can't disagree. It could have even been more innocent than that of just like, hey, pretty lady, can I buy you a few drinks? <laughs> so you you work at that Lindbergh house, right? Yeah. Where do they keep that baby? That's right. You That's know, right. where do they keep that? Oh, I, I talked to this nice man. His name was Fishy, Fishy, Fish, Fish. Yeah. And he just was so complimentary of my hat. Or whatever Maybe. it was. Maybe. I mean, it could be innocent, yeah. more innocent. But um, well, uh, why don't we take out kidnapping laws? Because I do. I don't think that that could be to blame. Okay. No, I mean, I think. I, I think it made it easier. I made it more right. appealing. Look, a guy who spells good G U T is not really going to know no. about the ins and outs of laws. I think we can take away Isidore Fish. I think he's involved. I think he might be. But I also think that there's no way to uh, really pin him down. We don't have the... We don't have enough. And we don't have enough there. Substantial. So I feel good taking him off. What about what about John Condon? No, I don't think it was him. I I think he he maybe got involved after. After. Yeah, after the kidnapping. And he was like, give me a cut. I'll help help you out. Yeah, I think there was some kind of like... Mm, I see. uh, But I don't think... You know. He conceived of it. No. No. Just an opportunist. He, opportunist. I think he, he feels like an opportunist, yeah. Bye, John. So we've got Bruno, we've got Lindbergh himself, Violet Sharp, the media, and Ladders. Let's okay. talk about Ladders. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's also the metaphorical ladder of ladder climbing. Oh. Oh, my God. Wow. Tell me And more. that that Lindbergh wanted to, you know, it, you could call him Nicarus, flew too close to the sun, mm. got too rich, got too big for his britches, made himself real vulnerable, and in doing so, opened up his family to horrible tragedy. Uh, so I think that that's a, a metaphorical ladder. And also that Bruno Hopman was looking for a quick buck, was looking for some money, and wanted to, you know, make, wanted to climb the, pull himself up by his bootstraps, even if that meant... Horrible murder. Uh-huh. But we're not blaming a ladder for the, <laughs> <laughs> for the kidnapping. Why, okay. why not? <laughs> That's not of all. Is the that people. in the rules? <laughs> okay. Are we going to get kicked off the Eurios network oh, if we okay. blame a ladder? <laughs> so the Lindbergh baby was kidnapped because of a ladder. <laughs> uh, it was the means. Hey, it'd it make a great headline. <laughs> ladder kidnaps baby. <laughs> okay, fine. Ladder's, ladder's gone. Should we take off Violet? Yeah, yeah. I, I think we can take Violet. Yeah, poor I, Violet. All right, so we have Bruno Hauptmann, Charles Lindbergh, and the media. Okay. I have I have a feeling. I What's think, your feeling? I think we should uh, put Mr. Lindbergh in the alarmist jail. Do you think that's victim blaming? <laughs> I, I can think tell Bruno Hauptmann is involved. I think yeah. that he should not escape alarmist jail. Um, so I think that... Uh, can, can it be a double conviction? Well... I mean, if two people do the crime, then two people do the time. I think we should put Bruno in the alarmist jail and then force Charles to go visit him every single week. <laughs> no. Char- you want to put on probation. You want to put Charles on probation. No, I want Charles to suffer. House arrest. Put him back in his <laughs> mansion. <laughs> Yeah. House arrest is too plane big arrest. For Charles. Plane arrest. He's got to. He's got to fly. Oh, he's got to fly back and forth <laughs> yes. from New York to Paris, and he only gets a like a break to pee and for the gas to get filled. Well, that's it. It. And he has to eat airplane food for the rest, rest of, his of his life. life. Or Peanuts. we put him in a closet because mm. that's, yeah, that's how right. he ranked the his big his prankster. Wife. Yeah, Bruno Hauptmann. 
you're going to the alarmist jail. Charles Lindbergh, you're on plane arrest. well thank you maggie what i mean this was a doozy and i feel like the the crime fits the time (laughs) time. (laughs) (laughs) after the kidnapping public outrage led the u.s congress to pass the federal kidnapping act known as the Lindbergh Law, the Lindbergh Law made kidnapping across state lines a federal crime and stipulated that such an offense could be punished by death. Vote for who you think is to blame by going to thealarmistpodcast.com. Follow us at the the on Twitter, at thealarmistpodcast on Instagram, or email us at thealarmistpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we'll be tackling Chernobyl. Erios. Powered by ACAST. 